seated this morning. And as we kick off this morning's message, um, uh, I'm reminded of some things uh, throughout the history of TWBC that to get some of you guys up to speed, why today is such a big day, a momentous day for us as a church, is I remember um, 16 years ago when we had our first service, it had been the second Sunday in December, uh, 16 years ago, it'll actually be 17 years this coming second Sunday in December, uh, that we had our first worship service. And when we opened up the doors at Country Folks Inn, how many of y'all remember Country Folks Inn? It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> you know, some of y'all have some bad memories at Country Folks Inn. Come on. And so as we opened up the doors to that, uh, that, that meeting room for our first worship service, we stopped for just a minute and, and we looked around and there wasn't the masses breaking down the walls to hear Joel T. Meyer preach a message. <laughs> And I want to stop for a moment and give special honor to the first two church members that ever walked through the doors of TWBC. And I want to say thank you, Mom and Dad. Thank you for staying with us. Thank you for being there that day. Thank you for all you've done for the church, for the growth of it, for everything. And, and some of you don't know this, and you think, why is that such a big deal? Because I'll never forget the time when I was done. I mean, I was finished. I mean, I, I, I had had it. <laughs> I mean, we were believing for a big service, and we had been praying, and, and we had a total of five people show up, and, man, I was mad. I was done. I even started service 15 minutes late, knowing that more people were going to come in. And nobody else came in, and Dad pulled me aside after service and said, whatever you do, Joel, don't quit. Whatever you do, don't quit the first time in my life I feel like I'm a part of something, something that's bigger than myself, and I can actually function in my gifting at this church, and so thank you for opening the doors. Just don't quit, whatever you do. And it was in that moment where it gave me that extra burst of energy that I needed to press on and be who, who God has called us to be and to get the church where it's at today. And so there are people throughout the history of TWBC that have done uh, amazing things behind the scene to propel the church forward that I am forever grateful for. And I'll never forget, there was a, a young lady who, when we had the, the grand totals of five and six coming, she walked into church every day with a smile, and her name is Miss Linda Rankin. And she walked into church every day with a smile and said, Joel, I'm so happy to be here. And I said, why? There's only six people. And she said, that's why I'm so happy to be here. I can't go to a big church. <laughs> and so she still comes to church all the time, and she actively attends TWBC. But it was in those moments when we had six people showing up where somebody walked in with that big smile on their face and said, I'm so happy to be here. And, and the only reason Miss Linda came is because a young lady named Miss Angela Jenkins had faith in Miss Linda. Her name isn't Jenkins anymore. It's Blanchard. She's been married since, since the time. And she was 16 at the time, and she had arguments with her mom and dad because she wanted to come to the way. And I don't know why, because there were only five or six of us there. But she believed in it over the course of time. And her and her husband, Jason, who does awesome work in the sound booth all the time, nonstop. I mean, do an amazing job. They said, Joel, when we started building the building here, Joel, this is our church. And we want to get married in our church. And I said, the building ain't going to be ready. They said, we don't care. <laughs> Before we even had carpet on the walls and that part finished and all this done in sheetrock, it was just, uh, it was just um, a particle board all along the walls. The stage wasn't here. They came in, and it was freezing. They got married in the wintertime. Uh, you know, well, it seemed like wintertime. Uh, they got married in the wintertime, and, and they came in, and they set it all up, and they brought big heaters in that ran on butane, and they said, we don't care if it's done or not. This is our church. We believe in it. We're getting married here. And so the first service we had in this building was a, was a wedding service. 
And I'm so grateful for, for those people who stood by and stood through time and time again. And how many of y'all remember the old building on the corner of North Davis and Glover? <laughs> we were so proud of that building when we bought it. It's an amazing place. And, and just a, maybe a selfish desire of my heart. I want to buy that building one day and just, just buy it to have it. Just to, just to say this is where it all began. And use it for something, obviously. But just, just so we have it, that's just a, I think that would be cool one day. Um, but when we were in that building, I'll never forget the first revival service we were going to have. And, and both of the bathrooms, the, the, the toilets broke on the same day, right before. I mean, the, 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 all the ground became flooded. And I'll never forget Jeff working as hard as he could to replay our floors and repair bathrooms. And we got a picture of, of Zach, his son, when he's still an infant, uh, laying on the roll of linoleum. I mean, just a baby. Laying on the roll of linoleum that we used to, to redo the bathrooms that had flooded. And when we took up the flooring, we realized we had to do a lot more than just replace the toilet. We had to replace all the floors and, and things like that. And so it's memories like that that make today so special for so many of us. And, and I'll never forget the, the Stouts the first time they came in the church. I was actually taller than both of their boys at the time. And now their kids are like this. And I'll never forget when families, when they would walk in the first time. And then over the years, if we got into this building and and I'll remember all the men who helped finish out the upstairs and finish out the classrooms and, and come up here and stay up here late at night and get up early in the morning. And, and we remember sheetrocking all the way up to the peak. And there's a picture of me taping and bedding in the very peak of the building up there because a lot of us literally built this church with our own two hands. And so to see where God had us then uh, 16, 17 years ago with nothing and our first piece of music equipment was a, what was, was a three-disc CD changer boombox that the speakers detached. Amen. Come on. <laughs> To what God's done with our worship team today, amen. Give our worship team a hand clap of praise. And I promise I'm not trying to leave anybody out, but I can't sit here and go down memory lane all day. And so I'll never forget the first time we had a service here on this property. And uh, Miss Carol Wilkes' mom, her name was Nanny. She was riding on the back of a four-wheeler in her 80s. She was, she was a go-getter, y'all. I ain't even playing. She was riding on the back of the four-wheeler, and we were driving around the property, and she would always say, oh, baby, this is the most beautiful property ever, and God's going to do a wondrous work out here on this property. You get ready. Me and my husband used to lead worship right down the road at Riley Springs, <laughs> and God's going to do something here. He's got his hand on this place, and as the old house that was over there where the volleyball court was torn down, and there was an old barn that we burned. This right here was in the midst of all of it. And the only thing that survived out of all the demolition and remodeling and building was a Bible. In the very midst of it all was this Bible. And you know, you can begin to look through it and as it falls apart in my hand, it's old Bibles like this. It's old pictures with 80-year-old ladies riding four-wheelers that you remember that says, Joel, don't give up. God's going to do something amazing here. And I'll never forget the one time when we walked in, and it was back a long time ago. We finally got in the building, and the only person working was my mom because she was the part-time secretary at the time. And I walked in, and she said, Joel, it's not good. And I said, what's well, not good? And we were beginning to talk about the finances of the church. And we didn't have enough money to, to, to meet budget the rest of this week, much less make it to the next week and the next week and the next week. And, and I began to sit there and think, God, you did not bring us this far. God, you didn't bring us this far to get this building built to where we got to lock the doors in a week. You didn't bring us this far. 
And God said, write a check for everything you got. So I walked into her and I said, I trust this organization. I want you to write a check to them. And I want you to write a check and I want you to mail it off because we don't have enough money to meet the bills we have. So we're going to sow a seed to see God's kingdom come to pass. Amen. And we're going to give to the kingdom of God. And as we wrote that check, the next time we came in the doors, we had an offering. And it was enough to sustain us for the next couple weeks. And the next couple weeks, we had bigger offerings and it sustained us for the next few months. And we've never lacked as a church since that day. When we take steps of faith and enter into what I call the God space. <laughs> and so for all of you sitting in this building, there's somebody besides me who's paid the price for the seat that you're sitting in, for the place that you're at. And to that, I'm going to ask that you would stop just for a second and give God a big hand clap of praise to thank him for that person who sacrificed for you. Who sacrificed for you to be there. And as we go into the fullness of this morning's message, I want to tell you the title of this morning's message. And the title of this morning's message is, In Me. Everybody say, In Me. I heard a joke one time, and it was a pastor who said, God's got a great vision for the church. And everybody stood and cheered, and he said, the vision is we're going to build a new facility. I'm, that's not what we're doing here today. I'm not announcing that, okay? <laughs> the vision of the church is to build a new facility. That's point one. Point two is the money's in your pocket. And you know, I laughed at that for a time, and then I said, that is the worst theological statement I've ever heard in my life. It's the worst theological statement I've ever heard. Because truly, God has a vision, and he wants it accomplished, but it's not in your pocket. It's in your heart. It's not in your pocket, it's in your heart. And so this morning as we wrap up this series on generosity, understand the gift that you have is to accomplish the vision that God has. And it's not in your pockets, it's in your heart. So the vision of generosity and accomplishing things is not in here, but it's in me. It's on the inside of me. And as we kicked off this series, we began to talk about it has two purposes. Not for you to figure out how to give, but first of all, for you to receive a gift. We want everybody in this room to receive a gift. Because if you don't receive from God, you can't give from God. Jesus said, freely you have received, so now freely go give. And so it's our heart for you at TWBC not to put a dollar amount in the offering plate, but we want you to receive a gift from God so you can give from the kingdom of God to accomplish a God-sized vision here on this earth. Amen? Because if you only give from your own um, abilities and your own uh, uh, source and your own supply, you're going to end up being very short on the vision God has. But when you give from his kingdom, because you've received from his kingdom, you're going to end up accomplishing a God-sized vision like never before. And so this morning, the first point that we've addressed through this whole series is we want you to receive a gift from God. And I don't want you to leave here without receiving a gift or a touch from God this morning. And as you begin to receive a gift and a touch from God this morning, God's going to set you free to go do amazing things for his kingdom and transform the world that you live in. I love the phrase that I read this morning. How can we ask God for a worldwide anointing when we can't even have an anointing for our own zip code? Come on, I'm asking God, give us the anointing to reach not just our zip code, but go worldwide. So we're going to take care of our zip code. We're going to take care of the 75482, and we're going to accomplish great things around the world. Amen? And we're going to see God do amazing, amazing things. And so the second point we've been addressing through this whole series is we want the spirit of mammon broken off your life. What is the spirit of mammon? It's the mammon is the spirit that says, trust in me because I can offer you great security. And mammon promises what only God can deliver. 
Mammon promises that if I have a nicer house and a nicer car, then I'll have security in this life. And the truth is only God can offer true security. Mammon says, if I, have just, uh, if I have these things, if I have this toy, it'll make me feel important. And only God's the one who can give priority and importance into somebody's life. And so this morning, we want to break the spirit of mammon, which means I'm going to break off everything that I trust in so I can fully trust in the Lord my God. And so as we jump into this morning's message, I want to start talking to you about something. And God is calling you out. God is calling you out. He's calling me out. He's calling us to do amazing things for his kingdom. And the Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 5, and this is my life verse. This is what God has put into my heart to begin to do for the vision of my life. And it says, the purposes in a man's heart are like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. I ask God to give me wisdom every day to begin to draw out the God callings inside of people, to draw out the giftings inside of people, to inspire you to become more than you've ever been, to inspire you to become greater than you've ever been. Because the purposes in your heart are like deep water, but it takes somebody to see through the water and to say there's a God calling in you and begin to call it out. And listen, I'm not calling you out. God's calling out the gifting in your life. God's calling it out because he wants you to accomplish great and mighty things. God is calling out you and he does it through your gift. You and your gift are synonymous. God is calling out you, and he does it through your gift. And you and your gift are synonymous. They're going to point, throw a picture on the screen here in just a second. And I want you to look at that picture that's on the screen, because when that picture comes on the screen, that's how God sees things. The angel above is your gift. <laughs> You're looking at the mountain. You may be that man, but your gift is that thing above it. And so as you begin to operate in your gift, God's not calling the little man out. He's calling out the gift on the inside of him. The gift of faith was in David, and he called it out. And the gift of faith rose up bigger than any giant that he could ever face. Can I get an amen? And so God is calling out of you the gifting on the inside of you to see amazing things happen in your life. And God called the Israelites out of a land of slaves into a land of giants. Some of you will remember this from a message I preached a couple weeks ago. God called the Israel out of a land of slaves into a land of giants. That doesn't sound very promising. <laughs> they were miserable in their slave life, but when they got called out of their slave life, they got called into the promised land. <laughs> But in the land of promise, there's always giants to face. In the land of promise, there's always giants that you're going to have to come up against. You're going to have to face your giants. And with you and your gift, and your, you and your gift are synonymous, when you begin to step out by faith and begin to face those giants that are in your life, your gift is going to rise up and be greater than the giant that's in front of you. Can I get an amen? And God wants to do things in your life. And, and I began to say this, and it says, when you are generous in the gift of healing, you will attract more sick people, not less. When you're generous in the gift of healing, you're going to attract more sick people, not less. So in your gift, whatever your gift is, you're going to attract the opposite because people need what you got. So when more sick people come to you, think the giant of sickness is so great, God's trying to make the gift inside of you greater than the sickness that's in front of you. Come on. And so in your life, as God calls out your gift, he's calling you out. When you're generous in the gift of contributions, you're going to attract more people, not less. When you're generous in the gift of even giving financially, you're going to attract more people, not less. And God is trying to exercise that gift on the inside of you and make the gift greater than the need that's in front of you. And if we continually look at the need, we'll never operate in the fullness of the gift. When God begins to call out as you are an encourager, you'll come to me and say, Joel, all these miserable people are keep attracting to me. 
Joel, all these people that are miserable, depressed, it's like they're drawn to me. Right, you're an encourager. When you are an encourager, you're going to attract more people in misery, not less. So get ready to be the best encourager that the world's ever seen and get ready to give hope to the lost, the hurt, the dying, the ones who need a touch. Because when they come to you, God's saying, I'm going to make your gift greater than their hopelessness so the gift can override their depression and they can see me through the gift that I've given you. Your gift's going to attract more, not less. He didn't give your gift to sit like a vase on the antique wall of your house that no one can go in, that you only bring a select few to show it to to show it off. That ain't why God gives gifts. God gives gifts not so it can sit on an antique shelf in the showroom in the back part of your house, but he gives a gift so it can be set out and displayed to all because we know as true believers the gift, it's from God, it's still his gift, and it's no good for us to hide it. He says, bring it out there so the world can see it and be changed by the gift that I put in front of people. And we must begin to embrace the gift that God's called on the inside of us. You're promised giants when you come out of slavery. You're promised giants when you walk into the gifts. But when you're promised giants, you become kings. Because remember King David? When he slayed the giant, he became a king. When you slay the giant in front of you, you become a king. And Jesus said this, I'm king of kings, I'm not king of slaves. He said, I'm king of people who walk in authority and power. I'm not king of people depressed and burdened and abandoned. I'm king of people who rise up to another level to become king of kings and watch you operate in a new level, in a new gift, in a new power for your life. And so we must begin to embrace the gift that God has on the inside of us, but we must begin to be able to see it. And eye trouble creates bad vision. Watch how it's written. Eye trouble, not eye trouble. Eye trouble creates bad vision. When you take time to look at yourself and always staring at yourself and looking at the me, myself, and you're going to have bad vision. Eye trouble creates bad vision. And if we don't deal with the eyes in our life, we might, we're never going to accomplish all that God has for us. And Romans 12, 6 through 8 says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. If it is in prophecy, then prophesy in proportion to our faith. In service, in our serving. To the one who teaches, in teaching. To the one who exhorts, in exhortation. To the one who contributes, in generosity. And no, notice that God didn't put that this great is, gift is greater than this gift. He said if you have the gift of prophecy, use it in proportion to your faith. And if you got the gift of service, use it in proportion to your faith. He never said, oh, if you prophesy, you're so much greater than the one with the gift of service. He never said that. And so, so many of us neglect our gift of service because we want to prophesy. <laughs> we must begin to use the gift that God has on the inside of us. And eye trouble creates bad vision. If I am so busy comparing my gift versus Damon's gift, and we get in this comparison issue, and we get in this contest of who's greater, we got an eye trouble issue. And if we have eye trouble, we have bad vision as leadership of the church. Can I get an amen? See, a lot of your families aren't living right and aren't walking according to the promises of God because you got eye trouble. Daddy's got some eye trouble and mama's got some eye trouble. But I'm grateful Jesus still heals blinded eyes, amen? amen. Jesus still heals blinded eyes. And the goal of, the, of your eyes is to have good vision. 
And so God wants to do amazing things, but he wants to do amazing things through you in your life. And many of us never see the gift, much ever use the gift to its fullest potential because of eye trouble. If we can get past the eye, we will not see the mountain. We'll see the God that moves it. Amen. If we can get past the eye, we will not see the storm, but the God who calms it. Amen. If we can get through the eye, we'll get past. We won't see the sea, but the God who divides the sea. If we can get through the eyes, we will not see the, fit, the sin, but the God who forgives the sin. If we can get past the eye, we'll not see the depression, but the God who gives hope to the depressed. Oh, if we can get past the eye, we'll not see the one who's crippled, but the God who can heal him or her. And I want to say this one more time. When we can get past the eye, we will not see the sin, but the God who forgives it. Oh, good vision. We got to get past our eyes. For good vision to happen, we got to get past our eyes. For good vision to take place, we got to get past the me, the Joels. And when I see somebody walk in this building who, who I know has done atrocities in their life, when I can get past the sin, I'll see the God who forgives it. When you can get past somebody else's sin, you'll then see the God on the other side who forgives it. When you can get past your own sin, you'll see the God on the other side who forgives you, and they'll be able to forgive others. When we can get past the I, we'll get past the issue, and we'll be able to see the God behind it who can heal it, change it, transform it, and make it perfect in his sight. See, God's got great things he's going to do, but he's going to do it through you and through me. And here's the thing, we got to get past the eyes. But I don't want to. I don't think they need to be forgiven. I don't think they deserve to be healed. I don't think they should have it, God. I don't. What does it matter what you think? We must get past the eyes because eyes create bad vision. And you know the greatest thing I've ever did is walk with my eyes closed. Because then you can see clearly about the God who can accomplish mighty things through you in your life. When we get past the eye, we don't just see what God can do. When we get past the eye, we see God. That's better than anything. When we can get past the eye, we see God and God himself. I'm going to wrap up at this point, and I want everybody to say this. Say, can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. One more time. Can't stop, won't stop. You become like what you seek after. You become like what you seek after. And I said this last week. You become like what you seek after and you become like what you worship. And the Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And the term seek means to seek after, to seek for, to aim at, to strive after. To seek is an action word. And to seek it takes action on the part of a believer to seek him, to follow after him. But here's what most of us run into. But pastor, what if I've already missed it? They can't stop, won't stop. There's a man who missed it. There's a man in the Bible who truly missed it. And this is the account of him. And so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then he said, tend my sheep. 
And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Everybody say, can't stop. stop. Say, won't stop. stop. The The greatest heart and the ultimate expression of love is giving. Giving is the ultimate expression of love. But generosity is the ultimate expression of God's heart. And Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said, you know that I do. And he said, feed my sheep. And then Jesus said a second time, he went to Peter. And he's saying, Peter, I need you to get this in your heart. Everybody say, can't stop. stop. Won't stop. And he said, Peter, do you love me? And he said, yes, you know that I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. We know this. Giving is the ultimate expression of God's love. Generosity is the ultimate expression of God's heart. And Jesus came to Peter a third time and said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter was grieved at the third time Jesus asked. And he was grieved. He says, you know all things. And you know that I love you. And he said, Peter, feed my sheep. Giving is the ultimate expression of God's love. Generosity is the ultimate expression of God's heart. Why have I done that three times? Because I want you to get it in your spirit that you haven't missed it. You may have missed an opportunity, but you haven't missed it. See, we serve a God who always has been and always will be a God of restoration. A God who says, hey, I see what you've done and I see where you've missed it, but I also see that you seek first the kingdom of God and you've resolved in your spirit, can't stop, won't stop, can't stop, won't stop. 17 years ago, God had to put something in me that was can't stop, won't stop. And when I faltered along the way, he restored me through my father and he said, can't stop, won't stop, can't stop, won't stop. And there were times that I wanted to quit and a principal came to me and said, Joel, you can't quit. And I said, can't stop, won't stop. See, every time I wanted to quit and throw my my keys on my desk and say, God, I'm done. He said, Joel, do you love me more than anything else? Feed my sheep. Feed them when there's three and four in the room. Feed them when there's 500, 600 in the room. Feed them when there's 5,000, 6,000 in the room. I didn't ask you how many. I just said, feed them all. I just said, feed them all. And for those of you who feel like you've missed it, you feel like you've missed the call of God on your life, you feel like you've missed the opportunity for things to happen in your life, you feel like you've missed the opportunity for God to touch you and work in your life, you feel like you've missed out on so much, I need you to say this with me. Say, can't stop. Say, won't stop. And in just a minute, you're going to have an opportunity to put action to those words. Because so many of you in this place, God says, today is not just your day of freedom. Today is your day of restoration. It's the day that I acknowledge that you left me and you betrayed me when you said you never would. But I died on the cross for you anyway. I was raised again from the dead for you anyway. And when after all is said and done, I still look at you and say, Peter, do you love me more than these? And if it's yes, feed my sheep. God wants to restore some of you this morning. Because some of you have given up on callings, giftings, and ministry opportunities for a number of reasons. And I don't care what the reason was. I don't care what the reason was. God is not wanting to just set you free. He's wanting to do so much more. He wants to set you free, but then restore you. He wants to restore you. He wants you to bring you to a place where you can't stop, where you won't stop.
Because if you'll notice, Peter went on to do amazing things for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Peter, out of everybody, said, I'm done. And Jesus looked at him and said, can't stop, won't stop. I'm not done with you. See, because as much as we say seek first the kingdom, the kingdom's seeking us. The kingdom's seeking you. The kingdom's seeking what's on the inside of you because when he finds what's on the inside of you, he's going to call it greater than the things that are in front of you. He's going to call the gift out for amazing things to happen in your life. This morning in about two minutes, worship team, come. We're going to have an altar call. And this is your opportunity to be restored and say, can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. And I'm going to ask all the ministers, if you normally minister in first service and or in second service, I want you to come and begin to pray at the altar. Because here's the thing, church, I'm not going to keep you here all afternoon trying to get you to come and pray. I'm going to have a myriad of people up here so you have no excuse but to say, it's my time. It's my opportunity. It's my moment where I can't stop, where I won't stop. And listen to this. It doesn't matter how many times you failed. It doesn't matter how many times you quit. Did you show up this morning? Then show up here in a minute at the altar. It's your time and it's your moment. For some of you this morning, you need to say, I just need to make Christ the Lord of my life. I know I was born again when I was in third grade at a camp way long ago, but there was nothing ever really that set in. But today, let something set in your life. Get born again this morning. Let God do amazing things in your life. And what I'm going to ask you to do here in about 30 seconds is simply this. To say, I can't stop. I won't stop. I can't stop. I won't stop. I'm not asking you to have the next point in place. I'm just asking you to make a decision. If some of you have given up on your life, on your marriage, on your ministry, on your calling, on your gift, and as you guys begin to come here to pray, just spread out all the way from wall to wall. Let's get plenty of room up here and spread on out down the lines and let's have plenty of people for prayer and space and things like that because in this moment it's your time and you can't stop you won't stop and God's fixing to use your life to be generous to the kingdom of God and to change not just our zip code but the world would you stand with me this morning